Welcome to season two of the Making Bank podcast, where we continue our exploration of South Florida's entrepreneurial landscape with host Keith Costello, co-founder and CEO of Locality Bank. Sit back, relax, and let South Florida visionaries guide you on an entrepreneurial journey from tribulation to triumph, sharing the very stories that have shaped them. Ron and Tevi, welcome to uh, Locality Bank's Making Bank podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. Uh, we're very excited to have you here as a, uh, you know, we're, we consider ourselves a technology-oriented bank, and you're certainly uh, one of South Florida's biggest success stories with a technology company. So really excited about uh, digging into your background and, and hearing your story, and we appreciate you for uh, sharing it with all of our listeners. Um, so I usually like to start back with the family because mm-hmm. I found in, in talking with entrepreneurs, uh, that usually there's a story there that creates this entrepreneurial spirit. So you want to tell me about how you grew up in your family and where you grew up? Sure. Sure. And that is the case for me, for sure. Um, my entire family, um, Im- are immigrants, I'm first generation American, um, growing up my, uh, my grandfather was a contractor, so he was in construction. My parents were involved in construction. My uncle was a contractor. So that began like my love for construction and how I ended up getting into construction software. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, one of the things that I, you know, that I always remember very distinctly was every Saturday we would uh, go to my, grand- my grandparents' house and we'd sit around and have lunch. My my parents, my uncles, my grandparents, you know, all of us. And they would talk business just for hours. And so <laughs> I would sit around since I was, I don't know, 10 years old and listen to everybody talking business and get involved in the conversation. So that I would say, if I reflect back, is where I got my love for, I wanted to do that. I wanted to be, and they were talking real estate deals and they were talking, different kinds of business deals, but it was just for hours, you know, and, you know, they criticize each other and tell, oh yeah, that was a bad deal you did. And I got a better deal. I bought this real estate over here. So I just loved the, the, um, discussion and what they were doing, what they were thinking about. And that became, yeah, I think that began my desire to be an entrepreneur and my entrepreneurial journey. And then the specific, you know, construction was because they were, they were in the construction business. And, um, if you've ever met anybody that's in construction, like one of the cool things that you, you, you my grandfather would drive down the street and say, uh, see that building? I, I built that, or I was involved in building that. So it's like you, you have something to look at that you could say, you know, I, I did that, um, which is a very, um, it, it's a rewarding kind of experience. So I also got that early on. And I'm like, oh, I wanna, I wanna go build stuff. Yeah, that's cool. As bankers, we say, I financed that. Right. You know, when we go, <laughs> so I can relate to that. Um, so that's it. So, and where did you grow up? And I grew up here in South Florida, in Hollywood. In Hollywood, okay, yeah. great. So then you went uh, to college. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell me, tell me about that because I think that's kind of the beginnings of of everything, right? Yep. So so I went to the University of Florida. I got a degree in civil engineering, and the idea was I'm going to go out when I'm done and get into construction in some form or fashion. Um, I ended up getting a job and working for waste management, um, Wayne Heisinger's company, yeah. and at the time, and um, so I start, I did that for a little while. My brother 
who my brother um, started eBuilder, and then I joined him a couple years after he started. But my brother, he and I had a dream since we were kids, we're one day gonna do something together. So he became an architect, he studied architecture, and then he got a master's in construction management, also at the University of Florida. And his master's thesis back in 90, he graduated uh, with his master's in 95. His master's thesis was about this brand new thing called the internet and how the internet can revolutionize construction and wow. improve communication. And someone on his thesis committee said, you should make that into a business. This is, you know, and, and 90, if you think 95, the internet was just, I mean, just people were just building websites for the first time. So um, he ended up starting eBuilder in 95 in Gainesville basically it was his master's thesis that became the version 1.0 of the business plan. And, uh, and then a couple of years after he started, uh, he was still trying to figure out his way. I joined him, went to Gainesville and we started from there and got into business. And so what, what year did actually, did, did eBuilder kind of launch? So we, we launched, the uh, company launched in 95, the product launched in like 90, the early stage of the product launch in 96 or so, 97. And then I joined him in 98. And so, so you were working during yep. that time and your brother's launching this company. Did you guys have to go out and raise money to kind of get the so product the, developed? The, yeah, so the reason he, um, so I was kind of advising him on the, you know, on the side as I had my job, I had my career, I'm doing, I'm happy and so on. And he's trying to figure things out. Um, he didn't take a paycheck for, for, you know, when I showed up, he still had never taken a paycheck. Wow. Um, so he was trying to figure out what to do when uh, I decided, okay, I'm gonna join, we're gonna partner up here. The first thing I said we need to do is raise money. And so I went out and started looking for, uh, to raise capital. And we did raise capital in, uh, we closed around in 2000. We had some strategic money from McGraw-Hill at the time. Mm. McGraw-Hill used to have a business that sold construction data called Dodge Data. And um, so we got, we, they wanted to make an investment. It was a strategic investment and we took some capital. And Did you have contacts there or how, how did you guys approach them? No, we, we uh, well, we did have some contacts through the, they had some magazines and we had a contact through the magazine. Well, we did, we sort of did the rounds. We went and talked to a bunch of uh, VCs and other folks in New York and in Silicon Valley. And at that time it was hard to be a, Florida company in Gainesville, technology company in Gainesville. People <laughs> wasn't said, exactly Silicon Valley, right? Right. They're like, well, <laughs> where, where is this? You know, how do I even get there? Let alone finance you. Right, so right. Um, it was tough to get traditional kind of VC financing. Um, but we did have some contacts and they liked what we were doing. They, everybody was talking to McGraw-Hill at the time. Uh, they liked where, you know, what we were up to and they decided to make a small investment. Wow, and yeah. so and so that was the beginning of the, the the funding. And then, did you have to continue to go out there and, and raise capital? So you know, we were very uh, these days. You hear about the the I would say the traditional way you get funding. It gives you twelve to eighteen months of runway, and then you get another round and another round, and so on and so on. We really bootstrapped. So the first oh. five years, we bootstrapped it. What we did is we built websites. And we took the money from the building of websites. So back then people, construction companies, we, we would talk to them about software. 
they had no idea what we were talking about, but they said, but we hear that everyone has a website now. We need a website. So <laughs> yeah. can you help us? So we said, yeah. So we built, we built websites. We take the money from that and use it to uh, build our product and then just slowly but surely get off the ground. We took the money from McGraw-Hill, um, which helped, gave us a little bit of breathing room because being bootstrapped as a tech company, it's very, very, very difficult. Right. Um, so it gave us a little bit of breathing room. But from that moment on, we never took any additional funds. Oh, wow. So we, we, uh, we were cash flow positive and profitable very quickly after that and uh, built the business profitably from that's, there. That's great. Yeah. So with the, um, I guess you, what was your degree in? From Florida. So my degree was in civil engineering. Civil engineering, and, yeah. and your brother was in architecture. Yep. So neither one of you had a computer science background. So that's right. <laughs> talk about that. How did you build technology without that background? Yeah. So that's that's a great great question, and um, it's very hard, right? So <laughs> <laughs> you know, now we know enough to be dangerous, certainly yeah. after twenty some odd years. But we had a partner um, in the beginning of the business. Um, who was the technologist. He had a computer science degree. And then we had our first employee um, who was with us for 20 plus years. He just recently retired. Um, he was a computer science uh, major as well. So okay. it was really uh, on them to figure it out uh, from the tech perspective. Now, what we did is when, when you do a technology type of business, somebody needs to have the domain experience. And where we came from was the domain experience, understanding what a contractor or a developer or a facility owner is where we ended up focusing, what a facility owner needs in software to do their job. So we could lay that out. And then the technical know-how of how we're gonna build it was done by these other folks. Yeah, that's a great story because I think of, you know, I can relate to that in banking, right? Because uh, we had the same situation kind of, you know, like I don't understand the technology part, but we found the person who does, you know, right. and Corey was that person for us, you know, so. But you obviously, uh, and you understand the banking industry and how it works and what you need and what people need. And that, that's, that's just as important, you know, you need, exactly. to, you need them both. You need them both, that's true. Yeah, yeah. so I think, and that's, that's where you get a successful technology company, right? Where that's you right. Identify, yeah, you know, yeah. marrying those two, so. Um, so I guess for you and your brother, um, your brother launched this thing and, you know, you're working, you've yeah. got a nice job, you're a waste management, great company, you're working for Wayne Heising, a company, nothing could be better in Fort Lauderdale than, you yeah. know, working for one of his companies. So that must have been a big leap of faith for you to jump in. So tell, tell me about where, you know, how'd you overcome that fear? Because a lot of people entrepreneurs, they're working at a job right now and they might have an opportunity like that. And maybe you could offer some yeah. advice about that. Yeah, no, and, and uh, it, it was a huge leap of faith. Um, and I think that the hardest thing to do as an entrepreneur is to get the, you know, the gumption the, the, to, to go and do that and uh, to be bold and to, to go try something like that because especially you have a job um, you have a good salary and all these other things. So um, for me, what got me to do it, I think, was uh, being naive. <laughs> I, mean, I was young. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the older I get, if I, if I reflect now, um, and, and I think this is a challenge for entrepreneurs, that as more years go on, you have a family, 
you have responsibilities, you have bills, you have a mortgage, you have these other things, it makes it harder and harder to take that leap of faith. But when you're, when you're starting out, uh, I, I would joke around with my brother, you know, it's like, you have nothing to lose, so go for it, because it, it, what, what, you have nothing, so you have nothing to lose, right? Yeah. So it's easy early on, and, and um, that's, what, that's what got me to do it. It still was scary, it was very scary. I yeah. went from a great job, great salary, great career path. I was one of the youngest, um, you know, manager uh, at the level that I was in, in all of, in the entire company. So I was kind of a rising star and uh, had a great career there. And I left all of that and didn't draw a salary for a year and started living off of my savings, you know, so it was, uh, it was scary. Yeah. Wow. That's great. Yeah. And, and, you know, so that's, I mentioned the theme about growing up in an entrepreneurial family. I've heard that from a lot of people. And I've also heard the same thing about starting young. And I tell the story, I didn't start anything until I was 50, until I had wow. family. And so, you know, for me, that was a hard risk to take. And so, yeah, that's, you that's know, huge. I think any, uh, those who are out there who are still, you know, in their 20s, I would say that's the time to really go for it. Yep. And you, you think that, uh, well, you need experience and you need uh, all these things and you'll wait and wait and wait. But really what you need is just, you know, the, the gumption the just, just to say, I'm just going to do it the yeah. hell with it. And, and you can, and you can do it easier when you're younger. So well, that's, that's great. So, yeah. so you guys get, you raise some money, you get the company going, you develop, you know, the, a, a product, mm -hmm. right. And then you're out. And, and so how did you, how did you uh, handle the sales and how did you grow the business? From there, yeah. So um, we so start in '95. John and I are working together in '98. Um, we're working. I my my personal focus initially was besides the financing and getting some money, was really on the product and making sure we get the product right. Because in my mind, um, and this is a classic mistake that I think entrepreneurs make. Um, I figured if I have a great product then it's going to sell itself, right? And we're going we're gonna to be successful. That's what Steve Jobs did. Right. So <laughs> it doesn't work for everybody. <laughs> nope, nope. So, I, so we did that for a while and we, we ended up plateauing with very little revenue. I mean, we had maybe a couple million in revenue at the time um, in the early 2000s. And we had, very, we had no growth. We were essentially flat. And what we, so we said, what, what is going on? And I, and I was trying to figure this out. I had a few mentors and people that I talked to and I, uh, and someone said to me, you know, products don't sell, sales sell, right? It's sales and marketing is what sells things. I mean, yes, you have to have a product that's table stakes. So I, both my brother and I became, really became students of sales and marketing and the whole process of sales and marketing. And that was um, about 2003, 2004. It, it also was a time, there was the dot-com boom followed by the dot-com bust or the dot-bomb. So it was very difficult to be a, a dot-com company in, in the early 2000s. So we started learning um, all the details, everything you need to know about sales. We figured a bunch of stuff out, um, went to training uh, and, and so on. Um, but once we... Once we put a process in place for sales and marketing, that is when the company started to grow. That's when we started to, we had over a decade where we grew at about 30% a year uh, consistently. 
So at least 30%. So it was 50% in some years as well. So, um, and the way we did it is we had, uh, is very old, the old fashioned way, you know, we, we, we figured out who our ideal customer profile was and, and who we were targeting. And then we had folks on the phones uh, getting meetings with those kind of companies and with the people in the companies that we needed to talk to. And then we would show them our software and explain to them the benefit and take them through a sales process. And slowly but surely, we, we landed one and another and another. We started out, uh, we an interesting thing, which is counterintuitive, and I tell a lot of people about this now, is um, we started out saying we have construction software and construction software has applicability with contractors and owners and architects and engineers and anybody doing any construction. What we did is we narrowed our focus significantly and we said, we're only going to sell hospitals. We're going to sell the owners of hospitals, a certain kind of hospital. They had to have more than one campus, like a Memorial Healthcare here in South Florida. They had to be doing a certain amount of, a certain dollar amount of construction every year. They had to have a certain number of beds. So we had all these criteria and it, it worked out that there were about 700 entities in the entire United States that fit this criteria. And we said to the whole company, we're only gonna sell these 700. That's, that's our market going forward. We're gonna ignore everybody else. Hmm. And that was a very counterintuitive thing. It's, it's the one time I argued with my brother that we joke around. It's like one of the only times we didn't agree on something because he focused on sales in the business. It was his focus throughout the business. Um, and he said, we're gonna, we're gonna go broke. How, how are we gonna make a living if all we have is 700 targets to go after? And, um, but we did that. And what ended up happening is we sold one hospital and then another hospital and then another hospital. And before you know it, we became the leader in the United States. We are the leader uh, today. Uh, one out of every six hospitals in the United States uses our software for their construction. Um, so it got easier. And then from there, we picked another market. And Whose another idea market. was that to focus on the hospitals? Uh, the, to pick the hospitals was something we looked at our customer base. We had about 100 customers at the time, and we had a few hospitals. And um, so we said, and the, we liked the characteristics. We liked- Well, your brother didn't like that idea. No, yeah, said. but the idea of focus yeah. um, was me pushing it. Now, it wasn't my idea. Um, I read about it somewhere. <laughs> um, well, I'm saying, so yeah. in the business, though, you're the one who said, yeah. hey, we need to focus on I, I pushed it. Yep. Okay. Yeah. And it, I got a lot of pushback. Because again, if you're, if you're at sales yeah. and someone, if you, if you were to go today to people in your business that are in sales and say to them, instead of focusing on all of South Florida, you're only allowed to focus on these 30 companies. It's all your, you, if you bring me company 31 to do a bank loan, you're not going to get any commission on that. You're only allowed to sell these 30 companies. You, you taking notes on this, yeah. Ryan? You, you'll, you'll have mutiny. <laughs> gonna, you know? We're learning a lot here today. <laughs> so, but what happens is when you get focused like that, you, you suddenly get really good at it. And, uh, you know, and, and your competitors aren't doing that. They're chasing, you know, one day Everything. they're doing this and one day they're doing that. So that's you a get really, better. That's yeah. a very, you know, Ron, I think that's one of the best ideas that I've heard on the podcast, you know, that's really practical for, for anybody. Because any entrepreneur, they've got to sell, right? Yep. And, and I think for the most part, everybody's, when you're starting a business and you're just out there, you're, 
hey, you have a you have a pulse and a, are you breathing? Right. You know, yeah. sign here. You know, yeah, you're 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 good. But when you really focus on that specific market, then you're getting referrals. Yep. And you are known. You've got an expertise in this area. Uh, so and you're I, learning how to talk about it. You're learning. You're you're you can build the whole company around servicing that exact type of customer. Now, your point though, you, you do have to, you can't do it right out of the gate. You can't, when you start, yeah. and when we started, if you had a pulse and a checkbook, <laughs> we, we were there for you, we could help you, you know? Um, but, but there comes a point where that is no longer gonna get you to the, to the next level. Yeah, I was so. gonna say, pulse not necessary, but checkbook is. <laughs> <laughs> right. well, you got a checkbook. Uh, so. You, so you're building this company, and, and so what kind of when did you when did you say to yourself, hey, you know, this is this is really working out? I mean, kind of what year was that when you started to realize you guys are out of something? Yeah, so so the the first decade we call it the lost decade. So the first ten years we're trying to figure out the product. We just had gotten our hands on sales and figuring that out. So now we're in about like 2004, 2005. And really from that moment on, we worked hard, but we had a lot of success. Every year, companies growing, more customers, and, and really big, uh, huge healthcare systems and governments. We, we ex you know, expanded our markets. Uh, um, so amazing clients and things like that. Um, once we, and that kind of continued for uh, at least, uh, you know, a decade. And uh, so now we're into the mid you know, 2015, 16, 17, and we were doing well. Um, I had been figuring out how to go from me and my brother and a few people to having 20 people and 50 people, and then all of a sudden 200 people and VPs and a leadership team and directors and, you know, building out a different structure at a different scale. So we were keeping busy and it was fun and exciting. Um, but there came the, there came a time, uh, and this maybe bleeds into you know when we ended up selling the business. Um, there came a time where we I started personally to feel nervous and said to myself, and this is a mental thing. This it wasn't real, but mm -hmm. I started saying to myself, you know, we've had twenty years where we've done all we've had all this great success, and my my wealth and my family's wealth, my brother's wealth. Um, everything we've done, it's all tied up in this one asset and we need to diversify. We need to get some help in here. You know, it's like if we, if we make one mistake, we're going to ruin everything, you know? So that became like a, it became a mental thing for me that I said, I, I need to get somebody to help me. I need some other money in here. And then I started thinking about a partner, uh, and eventually we sold the business. That wasn't the plan. We, we actually were going to just get a partner. <clears throat> Interesting. Yeah. So. Tell me about 2008, nine. How did that affect your business? Because that was a huge downturn. It had to affect construction. Yeah. So very interestingly, it had a reverse effect. We had our best years in eight, really? nine, and 10. And because what we were selling was in very simple terms, and besides the software, but what, what we were selling is a way to build the things you need to build as a facility owner. If you're a hospital or a school, a school district or a government entity, there's a certain amount of construction you have to do, right? A hospital right. is yeah. population-based. It's, mm -hmm. it's not economy-based, what you're doing in a hospital. True. So there's a certain amount of construction you have to do every year, and we were gonna give you a way 
to do that same amount of construction for less money. Okay. And at a time when all of these facility owners had less money, uh, you know, the, the recession and the downturn, um, we were looked at as a great tool to help them. And a lot of them, even government entities, I remember unheard of, but government entities were doing layoffs in their construction departments. Hmm. And the government typically doesn't like to do that. Right. And uh, so they had less people to get, and they still had work that had to get done. So we, again, had a tool and a way for them to continue to do their work with less people, less money. Um, and so we, we were selling more than, than ever. I mean, I was, I still am surprised by that. And people would see me around those times and say, you know, they'd apologize. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're <laughs> suffering. I'm like, no, no, we're, we're actually doing pretty well. <laughs> well, thank God you're, you know, you didn't pick the condo development market as your target, you know, market or things would have been you're a right. Lot different. Right? We, we had a couple of clients that were your traditional real estate developer and, uh, we, those customers were gone in right. a heartbeat. Yes. Right. Yep. So you mentioned mentors when you were, mm -hmm. you know, trying to think about how to scale the business and everything. So are there any particular mentors that really stand out? Um, so I had, uh, I'm part of Vistage, mm -hmm. which is kind of like a YPO, um, but it's a CEO roundtable group. And I've been in, in Vistage, the same group since 2002. So 21 years. So I've been in... Vistage also. For, oh, you are? Since okay. 2009. So, okay, great. Yeah. Okay, so you get it totally. I, I definitely yeah. get it. So there's people in my group that have just been, you know, tremendous and instrumental in helping me. There's a couple of guys, um, different kinds of businesses. One of them is in TV production business. One of them is in IT, but uh, distribution type of stuff. Um, they taught me so many, they're the ones that helped me with sales and marketing. Cause me being an engineer and thinking, I used to say in the beginning, I'm not, I'm not sales. That's mm -hmm. not my thing. Um, I'm an engineer, I'm an operator. And now it's kind of funny because now they all look at me, I'm like the sales guru, you know? <laughs> um, so, but they, they helped me. So uh, mentors in Vistage were key for me. That's great. And how did you happen to end up in Vistage? How'd you reach out to that group? Um, I had a, a friend tell me about it, um, a friend that I uh, went to college with, and he said, you know, there's someone starting up a new Vistage group uh, in this Vistage and explained what it is. I went to a meeting, learned about it. I said, oh, this sounds pretty good. And and as you can probably relate, that, that old cliche of like, it's lonely when you're an entrepreneur, you know, there's no one to ask uh, mm -hmm. There's nobody to talk to. I had my family that I would talk to about stuff, but my family knew real estate and construction and tech was, it's a very foreign concept to people that are used to dealing with physical things. Right. Um, so, so I didn't get as much help from them. Um, and so I heard about it. I checked it out. I met a few people there right away where I was like, this would be great if I could just be in the same room. Maybe I'll pick something up from these more successful people than me. I had the imposter syndrome at the time. I'm like, yeah. I, there's no way I can even, they're not even gonna let me in here. You know? <laughs> but uh, that's, that's how I found it and got started there. That's great, it's a great story. So tell us about, so you mentioned the sale, right? So mm -hmm. you, you're, but you really didn't intend to sell. So how did, you were looking for just more capital? Yeah, so, so what we decided, we, so we have this, at this point, we have a business that's doing 
over $50 million in recurring revenue, which for a software business, technology business is pretty significant. And, um, and it was very profitable. So business is doing great. We're growing and so on. But I had this desire to de-risk a little bit. I said, mm -hmm. I need to, I don't want to have everything for my brother and I tied up in one place. So I, I decided that we're going to go out and run a process. And I wasn't decided on this part. I said, maybe we'll sell 20% of the business or maybe we'll sell 50% of the business. And then we'll continue to run it. Um, when we actually did the deal, um, I, I just turned 50 and my brother, uh, was 46. So, mm -hmm. um, we weren't ready to retire or anything like that. We had a lot of, you know, energy left. So we figured, okay, we're going to go maybe do a, a sell part of the business and then keep going. And what would be nice is one, we would take a little bit of cash and set it aside if anything were to happen to the business, we're, we're good. Yeah. And we'd end up with a, a financial partner who's been there and done that and built a billion dollar company and, and you know, with their, with, has been invested in other businesses and, you know, we'll get some help. Sure. Um, so that's how I, that's how the, that was the thought process. And this is 2015, you said, Ron? This was 17 that we, we actually started a process okay. in 17. You know, thinking about mm -hmm. it and I had been talking to people before then and, um, but we, we, uh, ran a formal process. So what we did is around mid 17, uh, with that in mind, we, we started a process and we, I had talked to many private equity firms and I got to know a few of them. So I already felt comfortable that there were a handful of firms that I would be very comfortable selling a part of my business to them, having them be my partner going okay. forward. Um, so that's how, that's, that's how that process started. And then what ended up happening and I could tell you, you know, I could talk about the process and stuff if you wanted, but what ended up happening is along the way, Trimble came and they looked at the business and they said, we really like what you're doing. And they had a strategy, big picture strategy, and we were a fit in that strategy. Uh, but we don't buy parts of businesses. You know, we need to, we're a public company and we acquire businesses. So mm -hmm. um, is that something you would consider? And we there was one specific meeting that in the beginning where the it was the second time i had a conversation with trimble where the ceo says so a four billion dollar company ceo shows up here with his sort of right hand person and we had a three-hour conversation uh, no real agenda just getting to know each other and i think my brother and i walked out of the room after that three-hour meeting and we said we we could we could sell our business to this guy. We we really liked the two of them. Like we felt oh, wow. a connection right away that huh. we felt trust. We felt like our business would be in good hands. You know, all the cliche of it's your baby and all that. And it's true. Um, we felt like uh, we definitely could do something with these folks. Wow. And then uh, and then we started to entertain it. Um, and you know we had and went through a process with them. So then we had to change gears. I had to go back to the to our investment bankers and tell them, okay, um, let's look at this option. This is the only the only option to sell that we're going to look at is with these guys. We had a few other people that talked to us about that, um, and then we started to explore that and ended up doing something with them. Great. How many employees did you have at the time? We had about uh, two hundred and fifty or so. And I heard that there there was some sharing of that 
wealth with the employees. Yeah, so yep. tell us about that. That's yeah, that awesome. was a, that was one of the best days of our of our life. I mean, if my brother was here, he would tell you the same thing. Um, what we so we had issued stock options to everyone in the company, so okay. everybody had some piece they were going to get, and the what what nobody realized was the price was going to be where it was you know and people it was had 500 million 500 million and you know so the people's shares were worth you know 50 or 60 dollars a share and most people's options were at like 50 cents or a oh, dollar wow. so <laughs> even if you had a few thousand shares you did it, pretty it well. was a good you know hit so um but that day uh we we sat everyone down that we had to keep it secret, public company, you know, so the right. whole process, there were four or five people involved as we went through the process, but it was a Friday, it was announced, uh, nine o'clock, it went over the wire. And at that, we brought the whole company together. We told them what was happening and we explained, I explained to everybody what their shares, what was going to happen with their shares. And, um, and then we had a few employees, like maybe five, that were so new. We had one, in fact, that had been there for, he started Monday, this was Friday. <laughs> so we, we announced to them that they're also gonna get uh, like at least $5,000 yeah. just for being here because everybody is week. gonna share. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, uh, and then what we did is, so th that was a lot of excitement in that moment, but then we took about two hours, two, three hours. We, and we had identified ahead of time, John and I went and we, made a list of about 20 or 30 employees that had really been with us or made an outsized contribution in our minds. And so we brought them in, sat them down one at a time. We said, okay, do you, do you understand what happened today? Yes, do you realize how much money you, you're, you're getting? And they were ecstatic. They're, you know, so one person is sitting there and he was crying, you know, and he's like, wow. I, I can't believe it. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get three hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and I'm gonna be able to send my kids to the college they want to go to. Thanks thanks to this you know deal, and we said that's great. The reason we wanted to bring you in here is we wanted to tell you we're doubling it. Wow! So we did that for about thirty people, and uh, that was the greatest feeling ever. You know, that's and awesome. uh, so yeah, so it's. Some people, you know, few people walked away millionaires and uh, That's really great. Uh, people went out, few people went out and started businesses and did things. And people definitely did a lot of stuff. Like I get, I still get stories from, I get people that will email me or text me and say, and show me their vacation home that they bought or their RV or something. And they're like, you know, this, I bought this when we sold the business and you know, here we are on vacation, like five years later. So it's, right. it's, it's just nice to have been able to do that. That's a, a really, I mean, I get goosebumps listening to that story. That is so nice. And it's so fulfilling, right? To it really to have, you know, brought all these people along on that journey. And then they all are, are, you know, rewarded for their hard work. And uh, that's the American dream really, right? Yeah, you know, and, and, and then some of them also, you know, besides the, so there's that like one hit, if you will. Yeah. And some got more than others, certainly. But um, the other is, the other thing is, um, it's really cool to see we sold to this big company and now there are people who used to work for me who are in very high positions in this big company and right. that have, they wouldn't be in, they, they probably wouldn't have those opportunities had they not, had we not done this. So like, to me, that's like, it's an ongoing fulfillment to see uh, that. It's pretty awesome. Great story. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. So you're involved in Junior Achievement, 
Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so tell us about that, how you, how you got involved in, in JA and why. Um, so, uh, you know, Lori Salarulo, Salarulo I met um, several years ago and learned about J, uh, Junior Achievement. My, my kids went there as part of their, um, in their high school and middle school programs and stuff. So I knew about it. But what I've, um, over the last five, 10 years, as I've been able to divide up more time, I was so focused on my business for many years. Mm-hmm. And now I have the opportunity where I can do other things. Um, my, what I want to, areas where I want to give back is I want to be able to give opportunity if I can um, to the next generation, the young people, young entrepreneurs. I'm involved in other things as well when it comes to entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. um, business, financial literacy for a sort of like the younger generation. To me, that is a way to give back because that's, you know, there are people that help me and I, w- I would love the opportunity to be able to give back in that way. And that's, JA fits that for me. Uh, that's great. Yeah. That's, that's really good. Yeah. So any other advice that you would like to give entrepreneurs out there listening? Um, you know, uh, uh, the main thing I would, th- I would say is uh, don't give up. You know, be per- the whole concept of grit and persistence, uh, very important. And then be curious and keep your ears open. Get, don't get too focused on being right. Uh, that's, that's, I think, an important lesson uh, that we learned over time. Um, keep your ears open, be curious, learn, and you're going to be successful and stick to it. That's great. So, well, thank you. We're going to go now to the lightning round. All right. Where we're going to hit you with a few quick uh, questions where you just, you know, shoot back uh, what, uh, what your answers are. So favorite book? Uh, favorite book, uh, business book, I would say is um, Five Dysfunctions of a Team oh, I love by that. Pat Lencioni. Yeah, that's a great um, one. Learned a lot about culture and things, uh, you know, the business from Absolutely. From that. Uh, what's a song from your youth when you're growing up that's kind of like a theme song that you might have in the back of your mind? Something you might even be ashamed of to admit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, in the 80s, I was a DJ. Like in college, that was my first little entrepreneurial business, okay. actually. Um, so I was always into music. But any, to me, any kind of dance stuff from the, from, from the 80s, like 80s freestyle music, Stevie B, or any of that kind of stuff is, is interesting to me and gets me going. All right. What's the best piece of advice you ever received? Related to what I said a minute ago, um, someone said to me, you have two ears and one mouth. Use them in that proportion. And that has always stuck with me. So basically being curious, listening, don't, don't talk too much. That's a good one. So you, you, your business was born in the early days of the internet. Mm-hmm. Now we have AI. Uh, and just, I, I don't, not a long answer, just... Mm-hmm. Are you afraid of it or are you optimistic about it? I'm optimistic about it. I'm, uh, I'm not afraid of it. I think that certainly bad things can happen with it. There's, there's maybe some fears that are warranted, but that's the case for every technology that has come out, yeah. starting with fire, I think. You know, like <laughs> it's, it, something bad could happen, but it's gonna overall benefit us, I think. Good answer. Uh, what are you most grateful for today? 
my family, I'd say family, my my wife, kids, extended family, brothers, you know, my my family and getting to have those relationships and is is important and I'm grateful for it. That's great. What travel destination is at the top of your list right now? Um, I haven't made any plans, but I'd love to go to like the New Zealand area, Australia, that part of the world. I've never been there and uh, heard a lot about it. Great. What is a fear that you've overcome? Um, I think as it relates to business too, uh, I have overcome the fear of giving difficult feedback to people. I've always, I think early on, it was hard for me to tell people things that they needed to hear because I didn't want to hurt their feelings. And, and this extends into my personal life as well. Um, and I've, I've just gotten uh, better at it and I'm not afraid of it anymore. And I know it's helpful. So that's a good one too. Um, what about, uh, in terms of a favorite movie or, uh, show? Um, I would say, uh, some of the older movies, like I, again, I'm going back to the date myself here, but the eighties, I liked all, I liked a lot of the movies like, uh, the Bill Murray movies of like, like stripes or Caddyshack. <laughs> those are classics. Um, yeah. That I yeah. love those. Movies. No, you got to check those out yeah. on uh, Netflix. <laughs> you can still get them. Um, what do you do to, to, uh, keep in shape? You're in good shape and you have hobbies that you, uh, um, yeah. So with? I, I, uh, to, I run. That's like my thing. Uh, okay. So I walk, run, but I'll get out and do eight miles on the weekend or something. And it's also a great way to keep my mind, clear my mind and stuff. Sure. Um, but that, that's the main thing I do. What about the, the best moment, which I think I know what the best moment was, but also the, the worst moment in business, best and worst? The... The best moment, um, I definitely would say, is that day, you know, being able to share with everybody when we sold the business and seeing everyone's reaction was a, a, a moment I'll never forget. Yeah. Um, I have other great moments of, you know, the big sales and stuff like that. Um, the worst moment, the in 2001, we had, uh, it was the dot bomb. So it was at that point, if you had E in your name or dot com, anything, people, people would hang up on you, didn't want to know because they thought the internet right. is now dead. And in that, around that time, a friend of mine, someone I look up to, sat me down and said, listen, I appreciate your diligence and the, your determination, but you should start polishing up your resume. And you might need to go back and get a job because this is, looks like it's not going to work out. Wow. And that was hard to hear. Yeah. Uh, uh, I didn't listen. I was, Good. That's Good you know, for you. Going, but. <laughs> well, that goes back to your, uh, you know, determination, yeah, determination and grit, right? Yep. Um, so I guess uh, kind of last question. Uh, if if there was, were one person living or dead that mm -hmm. you could have dinner with, who would that be? Um, hmm. Well, I, there's a, there's a person that I met, uh, in, he came to our, spoke at our Vistage group about 15 years ago. He's now passed away. Um, but his name is Peter Schutz. I don't know if you, if you saw him as well, yeah. but he was, um, the CEO of Porsche 
in the 80s. And he's credited with turning that company. That company almost went bankrupt in the 80s. And he turned it around. Wow. And they also were going to, at that time, discontinue the 9-11. And oh he, my God. <laughs> he stopped that. He stopped that from happening. Wow. So he's, uh, he's a fascinating person. And what he came and spoke to us about is... Um, a bunch of ideas that he said, he's an engineer also mm -hmm. by, by training, but a bunch of ideas on building a business and being successful in business. And he talked about how most of what he told us is he didn't invent it. You can read about it in books. Um, he's just giving you his perspective on, on how he's applied many of the ideas. And a lot of what he talked about in a three hour session 15 more, it's probably closer to 20 years ago that he did this. I have used in my, it, it, I credit a lot of my success to a three hour conversation with, you know, with him. Wow. And I'd love to be able to spend more time with him if I could. Is there any, uh, I mean, uh, is there a YouTube, uh, is there anything out there where you can access information? He, he wrote, he wrote a book, um, called Extraordinary, uh, Getting Extraordinary Results from Ordinary People, something like that. Um, so, but but I found that uh, there may be something online where like yeah. you hear him talking because the, the talks were better. Like he had the most amazing stories. He talked about, um, just as an example, he he talked about in a company how if you give people purpose and they have a real purpose besides just whatever their job is. Um, and that gives people the motivation and that's how people end up, um, that's how you get a company that's super successful and you know you get everyone motivated about a goal. And the, the example he gave was um, going to Le Mans, the, the, the race, the 24 mm -hmm. hour race or whatever. And they, they had not been winning. Porsche was not winning because the prior management was cutting their budget and was focusing on numbers and financials and stuff. And he did a simple thing. He, he sat everyone down and he said, we will never go to another race unless we are gonna win. We, we, because they were going to the races saying, we're, we're not gonna win. We're just coming here, we're gonna do our thing, but there's no way we could win. So he says, if you have that attitude, we're not going to the race again. So we are never going to another race unless we, can, unless we feel we can win going there. And I want you, I'm gonna give you 24 hours. I want you to go put your heads together and figure out, and the, and the race was four weeks away, this next yeah. race. I'm, I'm gonna give you 24 hours. I want you to put your heads together and you come back to me and tell me what you need, what you're gonna do in order for us to win this race. And they put their heads together, they came back and they said, you know, four weeks, it's impossible, but we're gonna take this chassis from this car here and we have an old thing that we're gonna, and if you give us a few dollars, we can do this and that. And uh, they, they, what they had that they never had before was now the belief that they can win. And, he, and the support of the CEO who said, we're not going unless we can win. And they won. They, wow. And it was a, it was, it's a, a story, story that is, that is <laughs> a, you know, very well known in, with the racing and all yeah. that stuff. So it, things like that of just how you give people purpose and passion. And, and he had many stories like this that uh, just concepts that you can apply to any business. Wow. So well, I that, loved it. That's yeah. great. I mean, yeah. thank you for bringing that up. I'm going to check. I'm going to check that out too. 
Uh, let me just ask you, how can people get in touch with you? Are you on LinkedIn? And uh, uh, I'm on LinkedIn, yeah. um, certainly. And uh, I am in the process of setting up a, um, a sort of a website for my family office. But you can reach me also via email, uh, ron at antevicapital.com. Okay, great. Well, this has been a, a really great podcast, a lot of great advice. I think this is one of the best, Ryan. I, you know, they're all, they all seem good when we do them, but, but uh, <laughs> really you. great Thank advice. You. Thank you for being here today, Ryan. Oh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's been great. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to Localities Making Bank Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform to catch the latest episodes and visit localitybank.com today to learn more about all the benefits of banking local. Thank you.